service. Welcome back to the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 110. Thanks for being here. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Full Service Pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast. We are literally on every podcast platform. If you search Full Service with Tank Smith, you will find us. We are on YouTube. Hit that plus, that follow, that subscribe. You'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop. Ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show, so if you can, hit us with five stars on Apple Podcasts, write us a review, I will love you forever. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by joining us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fullservicepod. You can hear episodes there that you can't hear here. You're listening to podcasts, you're like, Tank, I want more full service podcast. Oh boy, Patreon, that is the place to go. Patreon.com slash fullservicepod. Also, shout out to our newest Patreon outcall member, Mark. Mark, dog, bro, dude, appreciate that. Patreon.com slash full service pod. Today, episode 110, special episode, special episode. This is the last interview of the podcast. I uh, mentioned last week, if you've listened to last week's episode, you already know the, uh, the show is ending at the end of the year. So today is the last interview of the podcast, and if this is the first time you're hearing that and you're shocked, hey, listen to last week's episode, I talk about the end of the show, and if you want to hear more on Patreon, we got an episode where I sit down with my buddy Mike, we talk for like an hour about, you know, looking back, reflecting on the show, uh, it's a lot of fun, you can uh, find that on Patreon, patreon.com slash fullservicepod, ooh boy, today, I'm excited. My guests are partners, they are sex workers, you know, they are writers, they host a podcast together. Um, This is a podcast that I probably started listening to probably, you know, like a year and a half ago. It's, uh, It's one of the most informative sex work podcasts that are out there today. That is the Peep Show podcast. My guests are host Jesse and PJ Sage. They are on the show today. So glad that I get to have them on uh, at the end of this show. Their uh, their show, the Peep Show podcast, is actually ending as well. And so I was like, oh my God, got to get them on the show. We uh, we sat down probably maybe like two weeks ago now. And uh, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to play this. We, uh, we talk life in Pittsburgh. We look at both of their starts in sex work and how they've evolved as sex workers. We look at the conception of the Peep Show podcast, how it came to be. We look at how the industry's changed in the four years that they've had the show. We talk working together as partners. We talk the future. Crypto. Oh, my God. It's uh, it's really hard to sum up. I feel like it's hard to sum up this conversation in a soundbite. It's good. Listen to it. Shout out Jesse PJ. I appreciate you coming on the show. You can find Jesse. She is on Twitter at sapiotextual. 
her website, jessiesage.com. You can find PJ on Twitter at PJ Sage and PJ Ray. You can find the Peep Show podcast on Twitter at Peep Show Mag. Also, Jesse just started a podcast with Melrose Michaels entitled On the Horizon. Check it out. You can find that on Twitter at SexWorkCEO and at SexWorkCEO.com. I'll have links to all of those in the description of this episode. So make sure you scroll down, check out the show notes, click the links, give them both a follow, listen to the podcast. I'm going to stop talking. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Jesse and PJ Sage. I'll see you all on the other side later. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I am so excited for today's episode. So excited. My guests, they are partners. They are sex workers. They are writers. They are podcasters. Hosts of the Peep Show podcast, Jesse and PJ Sage. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, we're super excited to be here. Hey. Heck yeah. This is great. I feel like uh, when I first started, you know, when I started this podcast in 2019, and, uh, you know, I started like looking out there, like what other sex work podcasts are out there? And, uh, one of my friends recommended peep show. And I feel like there's not many, many podcasts, sex work podcasts that are so like, so in depth and so many different issues. And, uh, I love it. It's people, Aww, people listen to the podcast you. right now. I've mentioned your podcast several times on my podcast. I've tried to, I try to like, sometimes I feel like I try to get like journalistic and like try to like cover stories and mm-hmm. then every time I'm like, okay, this is pretty good what I'm saying, but if you want a way better, just <laughs> way more informative, just all around a like better product, listen to the Peep Show podcast. I've said this multiple times. Well, that's oh, very thank kind you. Of you. So um, <laughs> <laughs> glad you're here. I uh, I'm currently in Atlanta. People, uh, Jesse, PJ, where are you joining the people from? We are in Peep in, in Peep Show in, in Pittsburgh. In Peep Show land. <laughs> awesome. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> We're Peep Joe from Pittsburgh, PA. <laughs> Picking a peck of pickled peppers. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. How's uh how how's Pittsburgh? Um, I like Pittsburgh. Uh it's nice. It's unusually sunny right now. Well, I mean, uh, right now it's night, but the last couple of days it's been unusually warm. <laughs> It's sunny. It's been like completely cloudy and overcast because it's Pittsburgh. It's just not snowing. Okay, it's not okay. snowing. <laughs> the bar is for sunny is set really low in Pittsburgh. Okay, that's fair. It's sunny it's if like, it's not if snowing. You can see the cloud, like the sun in the sky at all once every three hours, then it's sunny. That's <laughs> if like one ray of sunlight. Yeah. Breaks okay, but it's not freezing, so you know I'm not. Completely complaining i mean that's that's good that's not freezing is positive you know you saw the sun it's not freezing that's that's a good day yeah heck yeah i've never been to pittsburgh i looked it up on google maps yesterday did a little bit of a research y'all got three rivers happening we do we sit at the intersection of three rivers how's the how's the rivers i like i like i like a nice walk on the banks well i mean given our you know renowned industrial history of coal mining and steel production as you can imagine they are gloriously brown and toxic so no swimming in the rivers no swimming in the rivers no no, nobody swims in the rivers i I grew up here they used to this was like a joke when i grew up um you know the like old timers would talk about uh 
you know, going swimming in, in the rivers back in like the, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, you'd go in and like 15 minutes later, you'd come out with like a sunburn, but really it was just like toxic chemicals burning oh, your skin. Geez, really? Oh, God. I didn't grow up here, so I don't know these stories. <laughs> yeah, you get like a, I don't know, what is it, like a first degree burn just from oh swimming. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Totally. Just a ke- chemical burn. Talk about that. Do people ever swim? I've never, I've lived here for 15 years. I've never seen anyone like swimming in the river. I've seen them like on a boat floating in the river. Yeah. Okay, that still seems risky to me because it can capsize and then you got, you know, it's not good. What's happening? Yeah, they're pretty intense rivers. So, um, you know, I I think there are like little areas where it kind of, um, you know, there's like a a little, I don't know, where it gets less deep and kind of Mm -hmm. hooks off a little bit that you can, you know, but but most for the most part, I don't think you can yeah very safely swim hmm. um okay know, i mean apart from the it's, toxic chemicals it's pretty we have like pretty skylines hurt. like you know they're they're nice to look at yeah okay because i looked last <laughs> night and i was like y'all got a little manhattan it looks like going on there yeah it's nice it's it's i think it's a very underrated city i have to say it's nice <laughs> pretty, it's a nice place I'm sure that's the first time anybody's ever compared Pittsburgh uh, <laughs> to manhattan no i love pittsburgh I don't, don't get me wrong i'm a, I feel like I saw a picture last night on Google Maps and I was like, wow, that is beautiful. But everybody I talked to is like, no, it's not like that. No, <laughs> no it, it is. is. It's really a beautiful. City. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, again, like we have this industrial history, you know, back in the 70s, same thing. Like the old timers always used to talk about you would like go into the city, you'd bring two pairs, you'd bring a backup shirt because like halfway through the day, whatever shirt, you know, you were wearing would turn dark gray just from picking up all of the, um, you know, dust, the, the mm-hmm. smog in the air. Oh, and, wow. um, and, you know, and then they'd like change midday. But um, it's actually, it's a lot better. I mean, mm-hmm. now, you know, they've like uh, power washed everything and, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's oh, nice. Yeah. That's nice. It's, 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 <laughs> if you come yeah. and visit, you should tell us. We will, you know, take you around. <laughs> I will definitely. If I come to Pittsburgh, I'm I'm calling y'all. And I'm, yeah, you, you know, should. I think we have like more bridges per square mile or something than any other city. Yeah, and then Venice. I heard we have more bridges than yeah. Venice. Really? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. See, people. Hey, we're learning Pittsburgh facts. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of bridges. Don't Lots of bridges. trust the water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have a we have an institution here, a sandwich place called Permani Brothers. That's the weirdest sandwiches you could imagine. They're like white bread with a lot of meat, and then the French fries, like really greasy French fries on top, and then coleslaw, and then it's all smashed together. And that's okay. what people come to Pittsburgh for. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, uh, you know, <laughs> you know that was like the people would line up, and you'd, you'd go to the counter, and you just get what it was a whole meal. Like in between two pieces of bread in between, <laughs> that you could wrap in like a, you know, in a, in paper so that you don't have to touch it with your dirty hands. And then... oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's, Perma- that's where it comes from. <laughs> Permani per- Brothers. Have you said? Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I like t- terrible food. So, I mean, that's that sounds like something I'm doing also when I come to Pittsburgh. Okay, Hell we'll yeah. take you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate y'all coming to the podcast. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I feel like, can y'all, uh, like, I feel like I did a little bit of like a little intro on both y'all, but it's not in depth at all. Can you introduce yourself to the people? Tell them a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Do you want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I'm Jesse Sage. I am one half of Peep Show um, with PJ. We 
are married. We started the podcast in 2017, but alongside that, I I am a sex worker and a writer, and I just started a new podcast with Melrose Michaels called On the Horizon with a W, like Horizon. Um, and I am writing a book right now. So that's uh, that's supposed to come out on uh, West Virginia University Press. So I'm right now in the middle of that. Awesome. And I am the other <laughs> half of Peep Show. Hey. Uh, I am a, uh, I just graduated, so I'm a, um, a, a, a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a doctor. Dr. Um, I, 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 teach gender and sexuality studies now and i used to work as an adult content creator and i still do a lot of writing and research on on sex work and on the adult industry and particularly on the digital porn economy (laughs) okay hell yeah i feel like i uh i've been yeah i've been listening to a lot of peep show lately and uh it's just cool to see just how both you guys just had your different different backgrounds and just complement each other so well that you're able to talk about like just so many different things within oh, the world you. of sex work, whether it be like online or in person or just the wide the wide the wide it's the wide span that you have within sex work. It's, it's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. We really wanted to do that. Like when we started the podcast, we really were cognizant of including everyone under the umbrella of sex work and talking about varied experiences from different backgrounds. And so, you know, when, when we weren't, when they were things that we didn't do, we worked really hard to bring people on who had different perspectives than us. Yeah. Yeah. Learned a lot in the process. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Do you feel like you can remember? So I like, I usually always like to go back kind of the beginning of everyone's kind of like sex work, their career, their journey. Do you feel like you can remember like your actual, like your first exposure to sex work at all? Can you, do you remember that? I mean, I know mine. Yeah. You, you look like you're thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up in the air, like in the airport town of Pittsburgh. Right. So it was already, it was a sex work hub. Right. So, I mean, there was like a strip club in the middle of town. The Catholic church in my little ass town was like fighting with the strip club. It was actually funny. There's like this triangle. There's like a strip club. There's a pan, planned parenthood across the street and then the catholic church like looking down on both of them on top of the hill <laughs> and it was like there's this you know always these like zoning battles and they're like always trying to drive the like you know planned parenthood and the strip club out and there's like an adult bookstore um there's uh you know there were uh, a bunch of like massage parlors that's you know everybody knew were like happy ending you know yeah um offered you know uh other services you know a lot of the hotels obviously were in that area were like um also kind of sex work hubs so um that are currently on like day use so they're still yeah they're still the same (laughs) i know not a lot of us changed i you know so I, i i was like always sort of Growing up, you know, there are always rumors of like bus or, you know, people like, I don't know, just whatever, you know, people would turn, you know, 18 or 21 or whatever it was at the time and, you know, would go to the strip club or you know, go to the adult bookstore for the first time. And, they, you know, and there was a there were um, peep show booths in the bookstore, too, or in the adult bookstore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, there was like, I don't know, it's just around it's everywhere. I mean, that was like, you know we were just like a a hub. Um, And so I guess like 
I always had a, like at least a, a faint awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, though, to be honest, it really wasn't until I left Pittsburgh uh, and went to college in. Um, went to grad school. Yeah, in uh, um, Maryland. Maryland. Thanks for the words. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then I like started hanging out. Um, I'm also like a photographer. I mean, that's more of a hobby thing. But um, I started like hanging out with a lot of circus performers and um, and other kinds of uh, like performing artists and doing a lot of photography. And um, I just met so many people, you know, who are like supporting their art through sex work in um, in those communities. That's when I like really started to um, to form like you know deeper connections with like yeah sex workers and then like got interested in doing sex work myself yeah my story is really different i grew up in southern california and i didn't have like such an intense exposure my exposure was more like theoretical and i think that i remember being in high school and not wanting to write a paper and my uncle lived with us and he was in law school at the time and so i was asking him like what did you write about? Because I was just trying to look for like something to write about. And he brought this huge like box out of his old papers that like he had written in college and stuff. And I just started thumbing through them. And one of them was on prostitution. And I asked him about it. And he's like, I was maybe 16 at the time. And he said, um, how come we're allowed to sell whatever we want? And we're allowed to have sex with whoever we want, but we can't like sell sex. And I was like, that's a good question. And I remember a like question at that, for the ages. <laughs> yeah. At that moment being like, that's really weird. Like, why can't you just charge somebody to have sex with you? You can charge somebody to do their nails. You can charge somebody to do like all kind cut their hair. Like why, why is there this prohibition against like this one particular thing? And so that was the first time that I really like thought about it and started to wonder like, why, why it was such a big deal. And it was the first time that I remember thinking, I don't know that sex work is that big of a deal. You know, like why in, in so far as like, why do we as a culture have such a taboo against it? And then it wasn't until later when I got together with PJ, like in my thirties, um, you know, I, I thought that, and then just kind of bracketed it because it was like not relevant to my immediate life. And then when we got together, he was camming and interviewing people for his dissertation, other webcam models. And um, I just kind of entered into this world with a bunch of other sex workers and, you know, dipped my toes in. And then eight years later, it's like my entire career (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of steps in between. Yeah, there's yeah, it's all it doesn't start. It doesn't just like start out. You're where you are now. There's always that progression. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's, like a high school teacher somewhere in there. Yeah, I was a high school teacher and, you know, (laughs) at a Catholic school. There was all kinds of different things that happened like between then and now. But like, yeah, you know, I dipped my toes in for a little while. Then I had this idea that I would have like my regular career and then this sex work side hustle on the side. And then I remember my therapist at one point when I said something about my sex work side hustle and she was like, what are you talking about? It's not a side hustle. This is like your career, this job that you have, like the cover job that you tell people about. That's a side hustle. And I was like, oh, shit, she's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think after that, I was like, okay, uh, forget the forget the 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 real side hustle uh, for my for my fake side hustle. I'm just I'm a sex worker. (laughs) Yeah. Did you look at it any differently once she once she said that where you're like, oh, wait, this actually is like the main thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it took me a while to like adopt that as 
an identity because there's so much that comes with that. And there's a lot of like security that you give up when you decide like that you're not going to work in the straight world anymore. And I had to, I actually kind of had to be pushed into that. So I was working this really boring corporate job after I left grad school and I was taking phone sex calls like at the job because I was bored there. And um, I was doing a terrible job there because I hated it and they didn't like me and they eventually like let me go, but they gave me a three month severance. Like they were like, we're really sorry, but you know, this isn't working out. So here's the three month severance. And I was like, oh my God, um, <laughs> I'm going to build up my sex work career now. I've been given because the, for so many people, they're stuck in this bind. And that's where I was at the time where like, I didn't want to leave my job with the benefits and the salary to like go out on a limb and try to make something work. Um, but when I was given this, like, here's three months of your salary, you know, go away. Then I was like, okay, I have three months to make this work. And I just dove into it. How are you? Yeah. Like at that point, I guess, like, how are you able to like, are you able to like change, I guess your business or like not necessarily take it more seriously, but like does sex work change for you at that point, I guess. Yeah, I think it did change for me. You know, the biggest the biggest change for me was when I fully committed to it and just decided to be out everywhere, which included like telling my kids and our parents knowing. And when I realized that there was nobody, you know, that that I didn't have anybody to hide this from anymore, then I just decided to fully embrace it. And it wasn't until I did that that it became viable. Like, I think I had to fully commit to it. And by that, I don't mean just like put in the hours, but also like emotionally and psychologically and socially, like commit to the community, commit to the identity, commit to um, the risks that come with being a sex right. worker. And when I um, let go of like my fears, because I had a lot of fears around that, especially as a mom. And I think when I let go of those fears, um, it changed for me and became like much more of who I, who I was. And yeah. Yeah. I usually like to ask this question as well. You know, like it's always a progression. Like it's in terms of like, you're going to be better at something, you know, kind of now than you were yesterday or the day before. It's always, mm -hmm. it's always building towards something. Do you feel like in mm -hmm. sex work, is there, is there a time when you're like not good or you're like bad or you're like, is, <laughs> yeah. is that a, is that a, a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like an embarrassingly long time. Yeah, we just like failed our way through like yeah, yeah. PJ and I were talking about this the other day though. I mean, we were talking about this not just with sex work, but with podcasting, with writing, with all kinds of things where we we're like, you know, we I don't know why along the way we didn't just give up. Like there were so many times that we could have been like, We're failing. Let's just pack this up and go get a job. You know, like yeah. I think that I, I don't really know why we didn't, to be yeah, honest. I, I mean, I no, like to be fully honest, I think both of us have like somewhat neurodivergent personality types yeah. that are really ill suited for nine to five work. And I think it's like really, really hard for us to like. Yeah, know, I think like like personality wise and also politically, but, you know, um, to really do that. And I, I think both of us just kind of languish in those like corporate -y, yeah you know kind of structured environment superstructured yeah. environment so i think like 
you know, we were kind of desperate to make something work. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like one of these things, just something. But, we're just like throwing stuff at the wall. Right. We're like, hopefully something sticks. Like, please, God, stick. You know, so we're just like, whatever, let's just do all of the things and let's just, you know, like work a crazy amount and try to like make something work. Um, but also, in, you know, you said this before, Jesse, too, but it, it's important. I mean, we also just had like the kids motivate us. Right. So it's not like you're not just making decisions for yourself. You're also like, you know, mm-hmm. like, you're, I don't know, you're like trying to keep like the sense of stability, you know, in your house. Yeah. So, you're just, you know, so it's just like you just keep doing it until, you know, until yeah. you, it works or at least until you have enough to like buy the groceries and yeah yeah and i i don't know i don't i mean the truth is is we sucked at it we sucked at podcasting we sucked at you know like everything hey whoa oh no 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 No, that's like objectively true like go listen to early peep show if you listen to like you know the first 20 episodes of peep show they're like unlistenably bad well he's talking about audio quality because oh oh my gosh we're like reading stuff like i mean we sound like it's not even just audio. I mean, the audio quality is terrible. We're like, you know, standing around like, you know, three people around one microphone in a room. Yeah, it, it was sounds a mess. like you're, yeah. you know, talking in a cave or something. But beyond <laughs> that, you know, it's like we are so stilted. It's like you feel like, you know, like they have those like high schoolers like doing the like daily news, you know, and like the morning announcements. Like that's how, you know, that's like how our podcast sounded. And it, it was so bad. And, you know, in the same way, we just like. When we first started camming like I was afraid to talk to the camera I like would not we did it together I would not speak to the camera like if he got up and went to the bathroom and left me with like the people in the camera room I was like what am I supposed to say to them like you can't leave (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say to them you know it was (laughs) it was hard (laughs) I I feel like though like when you're creating something new or you're going into something new like if you do have to kind of have a little bit of that ignorance or or just like naivete to be like we could do this or this is possible totally. you know like just yeah, that otherwise hopeful. it's like too overwhelming <laughs> yeah because if you look at something you're like wow the, the chances that this will work out are overwhelmingly like it's not gonna it's not gonna happen but so but yeah. in order to put that out you got to be like just ignore reality or facts or anything <laughs> and we're like we're doing this thing fuck what happens and we're gonna make it happen <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the history of our, you know, marriage. <laughs> yeah, like everything we've done. Yeah. I don't know. And so it was, I mean, the truth is, and like, honestly, we did fail at a lot of things. And I think this is really important, right? So we didn't, like, we never really were successful at, at camming. Like, we yeah. just, we just, like, we just weren't good at it. Weren't. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, we, you know, we were like, occasionally, like, scraping enough, you know, money together to make like a grocery run, right? But it like wasn't like, you know, we were always doing other work then. It was just like one of a number of jobs that we were trying to do. And then it was like, and then you tried phone sex. And it yeah. was like, oh, wait a second. I was good at that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can tell. It's your story to tell. But, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think that like I started that. And even the first day I realized like, wow, I really like this. I like talking to people in these one-on-one settings. I am really into f- people's fantasies and super nosy and being like, articulate and nosy and like super curious about sex like all together was like the perfect recipe for a good phone sex operator because i was like wait people are going to call me and pay me by the minute to tell me what they jerk off to like i want that and so i like that's awesome and so i um that became um 
like my bread and butter for a long time because I was good at it. I could make like a relatively okay, like full-time salary. Like I, yeah. And let's face it. You're also nosy. So you would like, you just like love interviewing people. Yeah, I did. So like like, PJ would say that I did phone sex, like it was a job interview because people would call me and they would start and I'd be like, really, why do you think that? Why did you do that? How long have you been doing that? When was the first time you did that? That's that's smart. Walk by, you know, like the door would be open. I'd like walk by the groom and she'd be like, so in the fourth grade, (laughs) 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 but it was a good recipe to keep people on the line for a long time, which you want to do if you're making money by the minute. So, um, so she was like collecting people's live stories (laughs) you know they're like paying her to like collect their life stories um yeah so like we did i did that for a while and then we you know many vids came on the scene yeah that was really i think that was really transformational too yeah i'm not gonna say we were like great at that we made some good clubs though we yeah we did (laughs) like that was much more comfortable for us like i mean we're introverts and like like PJ is really into like the art of it. And so we made some really cool clips and I had a lot of like crossover with my um, phone people who wanted like custom clips. And so that was a pretty good business for a while. And then. And the other thing that was really nice about that is like, we really connected with like a community of people who are making clips. And, yeah. And we even got like a little nomination once and like. Um, oh, nice. Oh yeah. So you got the, you got the X biz. We did. Yeah. yeah for like, couple duo clip maker or right. something like that but it was really cool because then we like met all these people yeah. and that was like also really energizing to um to see like how successful pe- and like yeah. brilliant people were yeah because like honestly i'm just i'm like still blown away by like you know the talent and like genius of so many people who are like have like a camera and like a ring light and are making like insanely cool yeah. stuff you know yeah yeah, I don't know. And then, like, eventually when, um, like, b- before COVID, I started, like, dabbling with some of my, like, phone regulars with doing, like, in-person work. And then COVID, I think, totally burned me out, like a lot of people, where, um, I don't know, I just, I couldn't sit at home, like, in front of my computer anymore. Like, I just... yeah had it with like online being online meetings online content online everything online I just didn't want to do anymore after two years of like sitting in the house and so um and and ours our our quarantine experience was prolonged because PJ was sick six months prior to that so we were pretty much like in the house while he was getting chemo treatment cancer treatment before all of COVID started and so um you know toward the end when I knew I was going to be able to be vaccinated at some point I just like transformed my whole business and shifted into full service work which is like has been really good for us like way better than anything else we've done so so yeah I don't know so that's been you know the last nine months or a year like close to that that like my business has shifted once again so I I think that like we've done a lot of things um you know starting with camming going to phone stuff going to clip stuff going to like collaborating with other clip artists to focusing on writing or focusing on the peep show and now like focusing more on in-person work but we've seen like some things fail and some things take off and it's just been like this process over a period of like eight years yeah 
like you said, you got to like try, try different things, th- keep throwing at the wall and see what sticks. It's really right. all about like, there's so many different like, you know, avenues in sex work and it's like finding that thing that you want to do, I feel like has to be just a good thing. When you try, you're like, oh shit, this is what I like. Oh, this yeah. is good. Try something else. Oh man, I like that. Oh, I like this other thing. Like it's. I know I was talking to, it was really interesting because I was talking to this other um, like sex worker mom the other day and she was like, oh, I did like full service forever. And then I burnt out of that. And now I'm a cut, like now I'm an online worker and I love it. And it's so much easier. And I was like, what, how is that easier? Like, (laughs) you know, and and it's so much about like, um, you know, and another, another mom who was on the call was like, who's a full service worker was like, wait, what are you doing that I was not doing? Cause like, I do not think that's easy. (laughs) And, you know, we were talking about the fact that like so much of it depends on what you like doing, what you have more energy for, like where you like to be and where you like to work and how you like to work because they're not all the same jobs. They're all different and they have different mm-hmm. sorts of challenges. Yeah. Your situation changed over time yeah. in life, right? Yeah. And so like our situation certainly changed. Mine with my health has certainly changed, right? Yeah. So like, you know, have, I've had cancer twice in the last five years. So you know, for me, like my relationship to all work, including yeah. sex work, has been like constantly changing based on what my health will allow. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so, you know, I, I think people, you know, even like you were saying, you know, some some things work for you for a while and they stop working. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and that's I don't know. We don't you know, all of that messiness often sort of disappears from or it's like hard to see that from the outside. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, you know, and I, at least I know from our experience, it wasn't like we were like, I have a plan and I figured out how to do life. And here's, you know, <laughs> we're going to do this and I'm going to do this and it's all going to work. It was like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it did not work that way at all. We just kept trying lots of different things. And yeah. Until we had careers. <laughs> Ish. Until Ish. you had careers. <laughs> How was that? Uh, how was that working together? Uh, being being uh, you know, in a relationship together, and also being able to work together. How was uh, how has that been? Oh, we're like actually good at that. I mean, we um, we we have totally different sets of skills, and I think that um, that's made it really great because we're better. In the projects that we do together, they're better because we do them together. Because I'm not a technical person at all. PJ is really good at that, um, and I don't really want to be, you know. And so, um, so you've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, yeah. But you know, kind of kicking and screaming. And um, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a people person, and you know, spend a lot more time like cultivating the relationships so that we can get people to come on the podcast and do things like that and, you know, manage more of the social media and stuff. So I think that, um, it's been nice because, um, we kind of pick up the slack for each other, um, and have different sorts of skills. And so that's been, that's been good. It's been hard, I would say, because he does a lot, or, you know, PJ does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And I do a lot of the, in like, in front of the scenes for okay what, what is the word for that i don't in know in front of the camera front behind page. the camera <laughs> <laughs> um and so a, i've gotten a lot more um credit for a lot of things that are actually things that pj and i have done together and so like navigating that has been a little bit difficult but um in terms of our um how we how we do that um how we talk about that how we talk publicly about that but i i don't know i should let you say what your perspective is 
No, I mean, that sounds right. Um, and certainly, like, you've also written a lot. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, writing gets a lot of attention, yeah, credit, yeah. Um, and which is good and, and deserved, um, you know. Mm-hmm. And I took a different path that involved, like, doing years of research and then, like, writing a dissertation you know, which is really like not something a lot of people read and they certainly Mm -hmm. don't read it until, you know, it's been published. And so, um, you know, so I I guess I I, I haven't had as much. I'm just actually kind of getting to a point in my life where I can, you know, Mm -hmm. do some of that like um, more public work that, Right. Uh, you know, whereas I, I agree. A lot of what yeah. I've done has been behind the scenes. Yeah. I just mean to say that, like, a lot of what people attribute to me is actually things that we've done together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we do. We, and I, I mean, I would say the same, right? So it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, we're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. We're constantly talking each other through yeah. things. And we read each other's work. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have our own voices and we have our own, you know, styles and our own, I don't know, things like we like, you know, to to do but um, and make. But I do think that we're um, we really do collaborate a lot mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and better um, together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we like we have our like moments. We are married. I mean, it was funny because I had this feature in uh, Hustler magazine and PJ, they asked us to send in pictures for it. And um, PJ was like, well, we'll just take all new ones for this, which is great because then he gets, you know, hustler bylines for his pictures. But like we, that was the biggest mess. Like we fought the whole time about this entire shoot and like (laughs) hated every minute of it. And I was like, you would never talk to another model like this. And he was like, (laughs) you're not another model. Stop blinking your eyes, you know? And we were just like, (laughs) fighting the whole time and the then ring light's not that bright <laughs> and then the the magazine came out and people were like these pictures are amazing and we were like you know had to pretend like they just like popped out like that like, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were good pictures but uh yeah i mean but we have our own i mean in some ways it's nice that, like yeah i don't know it can, it can be hard and stressful but like i don't know we're also we talk through things and I don't know. Maybe you don't always talk through things with colleagues or something. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we, yeah, we do talk through our like roadblocks in terms of like our collaborations. Um, and, and so I, you know, I think that's good. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. What, uh, what's the motivation? What, What was the motivation for starting the podcast? How did that happen? What was the conception of peep show? How did that happen? You want to go? Well, yeah, I mean, the short story is that we were driving home from a um, conference or convention in Montreal. Conference, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, and we came up with it on the car ride home and we had like <laughs> plotted it all out by the time we got um, got back home. The long story is that I was really um, becoming dissatisfied with um, this process of um, doing academic research. And I had this like six month long struggle with my 
institutional review board, the ethics review board about like, um, you know, how I was conducting the research. And I was like frustrated with them because um, I felt like they were demeaning to um, the the models I was interviewing and not allowing me to give credit to people for, um, you know, what they were saying. They wanted me to like anonymize everybody. And um, anyways, we got, you know, um, there was just a lot of frustration because I felt like um, in any case, just the way the academic process works, um, I was doing all these you know, interviews and sort of, and kind of vacuuming up all this information. Um, but it takes so long to like return that to the community in like, um, a meaningful form, um, going about the academic process. Um, and I started to think like, I really just want to, you know, if I'm doing all of this, um, and I'm having all these interesting conversations. And asking people for their time. And asking yeah. people for their time, yeah. You know, like, I want to give something back more directly to the community. I want to, like, make something that's for the community and not just for, like, academics about the community. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I mean, you know, obviously I'm like doing it because I'm also hoping that, like, by elevating, you know, people in the community's voices that that, you know, will... Um, you know, help uh, influence, you know, people, people more broadly, policymakers and that sort of thing. But, um, but I, I really felt like, um, you know, in terms of the podcast, it was just, you know, this desire to like, you know, to, to not just take from the community, but to really like give back something mm-hmm. um, to the community and to like make <laughs> these, con- you know, put, uh, uh, take these kinds of conversations that I was having, not the exact conversations, but the kinds of conversations I was having and package them in a format that was like, you know, accessible and meaningful and useful to the mm-hmm. community. And, and that was like the germ of the idea. That was like what, you know, where it started or like what motivated me to think like, Hey, maybe this would be a good idea. And then that's like what started the conversation. We kind of took it from there. Oh yeah. No, that's good. That's a good synopsis. Yeah. (laughs) I co-sign that. (laughs) And then like once the idea was out there, then we like, you know, started talking about it and building it and Mm -hmm. thinking about like all the different things we could do with it. But that's where the idea came from. Yeah. And now we're 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 closing it up after we we have four more episodes that we're gonna do and then we're gonna hit a hundred and then we we haven't even necess- we've only like casually announced this. We haven't like really announced it, but we're um closing closing the peep show chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to wind down and kind of archive everything. Um goals to get to like our 100th episode just for funsies. <laughs> nice. And um and then we're uh we're going to move forward and I think you know, looking we've got we both have all these other projects going. And um, and I think both are pretty involved in writing right now mm-hmm. and want to take um, some serious time, you know, um, some of the scant time left over after working because both of us are working a lot right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, to do some writing. And um, and so I think that's where where we both want to kind of focus our respective energies, you know right now and so we decided that um that wrapping up peep show you know seeing it just felt appropriate felt like it was time to like move forward and, mm-hmm. and, and you know start a new chapter 
it's exciting though. Like the something new is always a uh, you know it's you gotta you gotta do it. You know, yeah, eventually. I think so. I I think things aren't meant to last, you know, forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh yeah I'm doing the same thing. This will be uh perhaps the last. You might be the last guest on the podcast. Wow, so, uh, that's kind of cool, yeah. actually. Like talking about ending things and talking yeah. about ending things. Very meta. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but the future's bright, so you know. What's uh? What? Why are you wrapping up? I kind of want to like. I, I kind of want to try something new. Um, like I do stand up, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I really want to focus on that a little bit more. Me and my roommate, um, we're talking about potentially starting another podcast. And uh, I just got a camera. I'm trying to maybe do some like video stuff. Cool. And, uh, you know, this has been just like really just me doing this podcast the whole time. <laughs> I don't have anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, at the height, I was spending probably almost like 50 hours a month doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, so it time consuming. Long, yeah. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Like shout out to anybody who like puts like y'all, y'all like, like not only like in a lot of your episodes, you know, you're inter- interviewing like multiple people and that takes like so much time putting that together. And uh, just like it, it takes a lot of work to to produce a show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to try something new. So you see what else is yeah. out there. You know? Yeah. That's exciting for you, too. Yeah. No, I'm excited. So yeah, uh, you just got to make some space, you know. Yeah. And, and And I think that's like a can be a tough decision sometimes because you know it's like a bit of a leap of faith or whatever to be like yeah you know i hope i land somewhere cool yeah (laughs) Yeah. worthwhile but it's um but i think when you when you start to feel that pull to put your energy somewhere else i i kind of think that you need to follow that definitely because i mean you don't know what you don't know what the future holds right if you're like Mm -hmm. if you're you're afraid to make that move then you're still going to be kind of doing what you're doing and i don't want to like have to do something or like right i can't i don't i don't want to do that i want to i want to do something fully and right like a hundred percent fuck yeah all the time and yeah if i can't do that or if i'm like ah like uh i I don't i don't want (laughs) to i don't i don't want to shortchange the people right yeah yeah but I mean, I love doing this and, you know, I love talking to people. This is great. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, fun. I will, I will never stop. Like I will never not talk to people. I got recording equipment, so it's, it's, it's inevitable. I'm not going <laughs> to not talk to people and record it. Like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is really, I, I don't know. It's been powerful for me. I've learned a ton mm-hmm. from doing this. I, I mean, it sounds like you have too. Oh, um, definitely. It's just like, it's really shaped my role in a lot of ways like having all of these interactions and like Mm -hmm. having time to and space to think through you know so many issues um in conversation with like really interesting and smart yeah people right um and that's been that's been really great and definitely you know carry that forward with me one uh one thing i do think kind of interesting that you really have no idea you know it's just really timing when you do something right yeah like if you look at you know you guys starting the podcast 2017 mm-hmm. and then you have you know sesta fasta happens in like 2018 oh my gosh it totally overturned our whole world yeah you're right like we absolutely didn't anticipate uh that and so much of the work that we did with the show became about Fasta and Sesta. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do feel like it took over our lives mm-hmm. for like, a, you know, two years. It radicalized us, honestly. Yeah, like, I think that's I would true say too. that starting a show right before a huge um, 
you know, political um, thing like that totally radicalized me and changed my whole relationship to to politics, to sex work, to the police, to, you know, to to everything. It and, was so visceral for us, right? Because we were like, you know, we were really we were like telling all these stories. We were like, you know, making all of these connections, making all these friends. And all of a sudden, you know, we like started to see so many of our friends suffering. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, how can that not? Yeah. How can that not radicalize you? Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like. Um, yeah. You have to be cold hearted. Right. For that. <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah. it was really like, you know. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it really engulfed like our lives and mm -hmm. our like emotions and our yeah you know attention for a really long time mm -hmm. I mean it still does but it's you know um but it's it, you're right we couldn't have anticipated that yeah, yeah. Um, and then and even how... too like with with the pandemic you know you got like such a, a huge rise in like online sex work mm -hmm. you got banking discrimination poor like Pornhub MasterCard Visa oh, pulling yeah. out it's just like so many things are kind of happening within you know that like four-year period right that you know potentially if you were to do it in you know 2012 to 2016 do you see that kind of change in the industry happen in those four years versus like when you're doing it now I mean, it would have been a different story. Yeah, right? it would have been about the rise of like independent content creation, you know, oh, and yeah. cameras and yeah. the move away from, you know, Porn Valley. And that's an interesting story. But that's the story of then. And the story of now is like the big businesses like smashing all of those <laughs> independent people down. You know, I think that right. like we saw this, you know, at, at that time, the story was about the move away from from studio porn and from producers and from gatekeepers to like this proliferation well, of was... this like independent creator, independent content, like all this diversity who, of bodies. And now who was really looked down upon. Right. So, yeah. cause I mean, I mean, I, we, you know, I, me a little more than you, yeah. but we were around during that time. We just weren't more like voices in the community. Or yeah. Okay. But, but like, you know, around enough to, and, and camming, at, you know, at, at that time, to um, remember, I mean, you know, uh, independent content creators, cameras, you know, were still like really looked down upon in 2012, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, not that there isn't like, you know, lots of like um, stigma today, but I mean, even like from within the community, mm -hmm. there was like a lot of ugliness between like studio performers and like cam models and there is this like derisiveness even within the industry that like really marginalized yeah um but also like i think the industry like felt threatened by that and so there's like you know so much tension but the tension so much but that tension was like so often like in inter-community or yeah, intra-community tension like, but then when false disaster hit like that changed so much because suddenly the attack was from outside right. and there was this like growing solidarity that I, that I think yeah. has eroded actually like, right. um, but well, you know, that and everybody moved to independent content creation just like for practical reasons, like, like COVID and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, just yeah. in order to make money. I mean, it's right. Like, I right. Mean, who doesn't, you know, what, what like porn performers aren't also like dipping On their fans, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. in, um, only fans or camming or, right. you know, there was, 
again, you go back to like 2012, there was like this like stark distinction between yeah. like I'm a porn star and you're a cam girl and they'll you know yeah, never yeah. the twain shall meet, right? As if you know they were like these completely different things. Yeah. And now we like you know it's, all, it's like yeah. goofy to even talk about that being separated. I mean there's like, you know, yeah, there are differences between like, you know, um selling your content to a studio versus like, you know, being able to collect residuals on your own content and, mm-hmm. you know, retaining ownership and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, there are real differences, but like it's we don't talk about it uh, you know, as much as being like a separate industry or, you know, mm-hmm. in the way that we did before. Um, and I think there's not the same tension. Anyways, I mean, that's sort of, this is all aside the point. It's just like, you know, I do think that that was a different story that was happening, which was, you know, the story of an industry that was being radically transformed by yeah. like this new mode of production and consumption. And then like all of the like interesting conflict that was like playing out as, you know, this, this um, industry is being transformed also by the 2008 you know, um, recession, recession yeah. too, okay. you know, a catalyst for that as well, you know, but then by the time, you know, we started the podcast, like canning was already like a many billion dollar interest <laughs> industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, many vids had come on the scene and, and some of these other clip sites had come on the scene. I mean, clips for sale was around a little longer and some other ones, but um, you know, and had really like revolution, you know, people weren't just selling videos out of their Dropbox anymore. Right. We yeah. had these, you know, like whole sites and you know most importantly like it was starting to be recognized from the outside as being like a giant an influential market not in the way it has since only fans right yeah i mean mm-hmm. only fans is when it was really the point as mm-hmm. at which it like broke into the mainstream and i've seen this even as a professor right so like you know um when i would talk to my students about these issues historically you know, like if I roll back the clock, like five years, you know, people only had a very vague, my students only had a very vague sense of like what was going on, um, you know, in the digital porn economy. Right. Mm -hmm. And now everyone I talks to knows somebody who's slinging nudes on OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. right. Or who's tried it. Right. So there's this like, you know, mainstreaming, uh, like the way this, the industry now has, has mainstream visibility. But of course that also means that there's mainstream backlash, Yeah, which Mm -hmm. is, I think what has, you know, shaped kind of the the narrative arc of peep show which again was not something we intended we did not know we were walking into it but we started the podcast (laughs) i think at the moment where you know we were getting this giant wave of backlash to the new porn economy yeah it's interesting though because i think that i knew that i was ready to like move on and like put my energy into something else when um when only fans uh announced that they were oh in uh, august what? Yeah. And when that happened, um, I had I was like flooded with DMs and emails from people who were like, are you going to write about this and what are you going to say about it? And I was like, you know what? Um, I've written about every single thing that's happened in this industry since 2017 and somebody else can write about OnlyFans. Like I just like 
didn't want to, (laughs) you know, and that was the first time that I didn't feel like the sense of like emergency in myself, like, oh, I got to get on this. I got to read everything about what's going on. And I have to report on this and we have to do an episode on this and I need to put out an article and I need to start pitching ideas. And that's what I had been doing for like many years. And I was like, you know what? There's lots of people who can talk about this OnlyFans thing. I think I'm going to just, you know, sit this one out. And <laughs> that was really kind of illuminating to me. And it wasn't that I don't care about OnlyFans because I do. I think that's that, that whole thing was a debacle. And I think that it's going to have like a lot of uh, far reaching like consequences in our industry. But um, I didn't think that I necessarily needed to be the one to yeah. uh, be a voice in that. I didn't need to throw my hat in that ring. I mean, and you've already really talked about like just the discrimination from payment processors on like sexually oriented businesses. So much. Yeah. You've talked about it on the podcast. Like, yeah, so much. So it's like written about it, given interviews on it, you know, and I was like, okay, we've, we've done this, you know, like, (laughs) right. You know, it's like, we're just repeating the same thing. I mean, I did write something on it, but yeah, um, that was good. Like, (laughs) but, but, you know, but you're right. Like I, I, I hear you. It's, you know, at some point it's like people don't need to hear us saying the same things right. over and over and yeah. over again. Like, you know, there's like definitely space for, for other voices and, you know, you just, you can't, at some point you, you get burnout, like burnout is real. Yeah. And, you know, when you're doing that kind of, um, especially this kind of work where you're like responding to like crisis after crisis after crisis in the community yeah and you're like you know trying to cover like people's spheres and struggles and like you know a lot of what we did with peep show was like go around and collect those fears and struggles like you know go to conventions you know have people call in tell us their stories like you know and like yeah yeah and it was just but you know like that's emotionally fatiguing work that yeah. that kind of storytelling, especially in you know in the wake of these like seemingly endless crises, and I don't know, like part of it is just like honestly, just like being emotionally spent, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you know, and that that's real too. So, is there a way to predict the future of what like online sex work will look like in the future? Because I know, like, do you feel like it'll be sanitized at all to where? You know, you can you can kind of work even like it's legal now. It's it's a legal thing. It's it's crazy that it's a legal thing and it's being such. I think it's I think it's being sanitized now. Like I think that there's um uh more and more like censorship, more and more deplatforming, more and more demonetization. So so yeah, but I mean, this is more of PJ's wheelhouse than it is mine. Predicting the the future of the oh, industry. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, I was gonna make a, like a cyberpunk joke or something. So <laughs> I was gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna all put on headsets and jack into the console and. Okay. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> That's probably why. No, the, no, I do. I think it. I actually think it's hard to pr- predict the future. I think like a lot of the future, you know, futurism is wrong. But um, I I think you're you're right. We might be at like a high water mark. Um, especially with the pandemic in terms of um, number of people involved, Mm -hmm. you know, who are creating content. And I think that I do think it's getting harder. We've lost Tumblr, which was really, I think a huge blow that we need, you know, to talk a a lot about Um, because it's not just like, it's not just 
you know, how is it legal and how much is being produced, but it's also like, what is the, the quality and range and diversity of mm-hmm. porn that's being produced that I, I'm really interested in. Okay. Right? And I, I believe, you know, that it is more marginalized creators who yeah. are going to be the first to suffer, you know, um, from these crackdowns and already have. And I, mm-hmm. I think we saw that with, with t- Tumblr. I mean, we, you know, we had entire sort of, you know, little like niche erotic communities just kind of be, you know, eradicated mm-hmm. uh, as a result of, you know, of the erasure of that site. And I think that, you know, it's, um, I mean, there's always going to be like mainstream porn, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and there'll always be studios. I mean, they could outlaw it and, you know, they'll just go to Iceland or whatever and, and figure out, you know, how to like make it available if you have a VPN. Like, you know, there's always going to be some way that people are going to have like access to mainstream content. You know, it's, you know, it's harder and that, and I don't want to like downplay the real effects that that has on, 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 you know, on people's incomes and livelihoods. I mean, you know, these laws like have, really negative effects but i just want to make the point that that they don't affect all content producers and all sex workers equally right yeah and so i think the most the people who are making um you know the who are really the furthest out there kind of pushing the envelope in terms Mm -hmm. of representation the people who are most marginalized you know or most multiply marginalized within our community Mm -hmm. those are the ones who are like suffering first and most um by these crackdowns and and i and i think right now anyways that's like that's been my really real concern in the last like couple years is is like seeing yeah, and I think I think when when we say things like, well, it's legal, um, I think that that doesn't take into consideration the fact that it's it's not the uh, judicial system that is shutting down um, these accounts. It's big business. And I think that we need to pay attention to that. I mean, I recently um, interviewed Larry Walters from the Walters Law Group and one of the who's doing um he's the prosecutor in the Foster Sesta case um that uh, the Woodhall versus the US not prosecutor but attorney attorney yeah great um, interview great interview that was that was the conversation's great oh thank you and yeah and i mean one of the things that he was saying that i think is really important is that like the they're not supposed the US government is not supposed to um I'm trying to think they of can't, they can't do indirectly what they can do. Yes, directly. exactly. They can't do indirectly what they can't do directly, but they are doing indirectly what they can't do indirectly. <laughs> like, 100%. By, yeah. And so I think that that's really important to think about is like, how is who's getting affected and how is it that they're getting affected? Because it's not that content creators are doing something that's illegal. It's that their like way of doing it is being shut down in the back channels with right. payment processing, with, um, yeah, you know, all sorts of other things. And I think we learned this from the um from from what you get with like prostitution laws too. You don't actually need like prostitution laws to arrest people for doing full service sex work because everything around it is like criminalized and um and the laws aren't um implemented fairly and uh equally across the board for all groups of people yeah, and so they just like grossly misrepresent the law i yeah. mean here in pittsburgh you can't you can't arrest somebody on a solicitation charge but you can 
arrest them for possessing a cell phone or a condom in the commission of (laughs) of soliciting. And so they arrest people for possessing a instrument of crime, which, you know, as a statute that was passed for like bulletproof vests, not for condoms or cell phones. Right. But like they, they choose to, and, you know, are, are allowed to, you know, so grossly misrepresent, you know, misinterpret the law as to basically say that, like, you know, if I'm chewing gum while I commit a crime, then it's, you know, the gum is an instrument of crime, right? (laughs) Right. It's it's absurd on the face of it. And yet they do it. And so they're able to, right. You know, so in some ways, like the law doesn't even. Right. Because I feel like a lot of content creators and a lot of people who are on like the porn side of things are like, but it's not illegal what we're doing. And that that's, that's, technically true but that's not that's kind of besides the point and i think that i um, mean actually the bigger question is is it illegal to discriminate against sex workers for doing it and the answer is yes it is legal to discriminate against sex workers for doing their job Mm -hmm. and i think until we are in a a, you know a a situation a legal you know environment like a protected status which it's not yeah Yeah. where and you know then you know, there's still de facto, mm-hmm. um, you know, de- there's there's discrimination all over the place. Um, and whether that, you know, discrimination is coming directly from the government or it's coming from MasterCard or it's coming from, you know, the Facebook terms of service, yeah. either way, it's still, you know, per- it still ultimately prevents you from um, doing your job. And, and it's not just that. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, like they'll seize your funds, right. They will shut down your accounts, you know, these banks pay, you know, payment processes stuff. I mean, they will take your money too. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, um, you know, it's, it's not even that much different than like, <laughs> uh, well, it's, yeah, it's actually, you know, just as bad as, you know, um, uh, legal trouble except you don't even get the due process right that, you mm-hmm. know you would mm-hmm. get with um legal proceedings and so it's um yeah I, I mean i think it's you know really really alarming um and i think but i but again i think that the we also have to ask the question of like who is being most effect, right. affected mm-hmm. yeah. and my fear is that we've hit like the high watermark where the online you know content creation the digital porn economy has um reached its you know kind of peak in terms of inclusivity um just you know number of models in general but also Mm -hmm. in like the diversity and range and as we're seeing all this pushback you know i think it's going to be harder and harder to make it right and Mm -hmm. you know and as it gets harder and harder to make it in the digital porn economy, I think what we're going to see is that like the range of content creators starts to narrow again Mm -hmm. and, you know, and look less representative. And um, that's a real loss. That's a real loss. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's a loss in two ways, right? Because it's a loss because that representation is really important to society because I actually think good, diverse, representative porn is like socially progressive and does Mm -hmm. like helps us to have like, you know, challenge like repressive beauty standards, Mm -hmm. uh, challenge our limited notions about, you know, sexuality and sexual norms, but also, you know, even more importantly, 
it is providing work to people who are highly discriminated yeah. against or, you know, who struggle or pushed out of conventional to, employment. Yeah. yeah. To function, in, in, you know, in the convent, in the straight economy. And where, where are those people going to work from? You know, right. Yeah. Like those people are already struggling and mm -hmm. now we are taking away, you know, their means of survival. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, being, it, it, that's really dangerous. And I'm yeah. really concerned for my friends and my community, uh, you know, about what's going to happen when it becomes harder and harder to make a living, you know, doing the, doing this kind of work. You know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, crypto being the future um, just due to the banking discrimination a lot of people face. How far out is that? And there's, I know like the crypto market, you know, it's up and down a lot. How do you see people? Do you see people making the shift to crypto at all? Okay, here's here's my thought about this. I'm very skeptical of this, and um, I don't I'm I don't know anything about it, so you can totally like discard my opinion. But my um, I'm skeptical of it because it's already hard to get people to pay for their porn, to get them to also adopt an entire different currency and use that to pay for porn, I think is like a step beyond what most people can get their like fans and subscribers to do. Um, so there's that hurdle. Um, and I think that, um, I think that the government is, I don't think this, I know that the government is also cracking down on people who are making money uh, on crypto and are very suspicious of money laundering. And we know people within the community who are under investigation for making large sums of money on like with cryptocurrencies. So I'm very like skeptical of this. Yeah, I mean, agreed. I don't, you know, I think that like there's this, I mean, first off, there's we have to like realize, and I think this is like what people don't talk about enough is that like a lot of people who are promoting crypto have a vested interest in crypto, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, investors or they're like pushing a currency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a pyramid scheme. Like they want to pump crypto, so yeah, they pump and dump, and then just yeah, exactly, it's pump and dump, right? And so like, I mean, part of part of it is like you know are you going to, do you trust somebody who, you mm -hmm. know, has like, uh, you know, a bunch of money wrapped up in crypto? I don't like that's, you know, they have a financial interest in, in um, pushing a certain narrative, whether it's true or not. Um, you know, so that's one thing. Second, I've been, you know, working in the tech sector. Um, you know, that's what my like academic work, you know, has, has all centered on, on tech and, and studying like, Mm -hmm. internet culture has been focused on internet studies and you know people have been talking about this for over 10 years you know nothing mm -hmm. has changed really i mean yeah i wish i invested in block you know in, in bitcoin 10 years ago you know um <laughs> but i you know but not because i actually think that bitcoin is the future i just think that like you could have made money and it, then like got out yeah. <laughs> I, I mean i just think that like it was a good gamble you know, uh -huh. like I also wish I would have, you know, bet on the right horse, you know, who, you know, like, like, <laughs> yeah, if, you if, bought if, Tesla, you know, you know, it was $50, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, but it's not like, um, but the idea that this is like, you know, the radically going to change things, I, you know, I just think there's, you know, you know, minimal evidence. It's, you know, actually, it's not, you know, and they haven't been able to resolve this in 10 years, you know, um, uh, easier to use than no. like regular currency or than you know other um, payment methods like uh, uh, you know Venmo or 
um, cash, cash app, app or, or whatever, you know, so that there's a lot of friction. And then second, like, you know, the ledgers are still public. It's not, you know, they talk about it as if you're like, you know, you have this like layer of privacy and anonymity in the use of like, I, I don't know. My my feeling too is like more of a theoretical feeling, which is that like, or not theoretical, but social, like you can't solve social problems with like technology. The problems that we're having in like banking discrimination are problems of like, um, unequal access to resources. And I do not have any faith that tech bros from Silicon Valley right. have like the interest of marginalized people and sex workers, like um, first and foremost um, in their, you know, I, I don't think that they care that much about that. I, I don't have faith that technology that's run by tech bros from Silicon Valley is going to be the savior to marginalized populations. Right. That's just yeah. outrageous to me. Right. And, be, and we've seen this, right? So like we've seen this throughout the internet, you know, any platform, any app, any, you know, um, you know, what happens is, is when these companies are successful, when they mainstream, right? They throw sex workers they off. They throw suckers, yeah. sex workers under the bus. So if, you know, if it happens that like, uh, you know, somehow we move to cryptocurrency and like integrate it in, into our lives as a more, um, you know, normative thing, which I'm very skeptical of, you know, I think, you know when that happens we can expect that like you know that that they can and will throw sex under workers under the bus as, as part of the process like we've seen yeah with, well so long as people believe that sex workers don't have that sex work like isn't a legitimate job that sex workers don't have uh rights to their own bodily autonomy that they can't make choices about their financial situations as long as we have sex work stigma that pushes like sex workers out of mainstream banking those problems right. those social structures are going to just so like as long as discrimination is legal yeah and, they're just going accepted, to like right? follow into cryptocurrency so like i don't i don't believe that it's going to solve the problems like yeah, it seems like too. Like w once crypto's you know adopted by everybody, the government will be controlling it just like they do the dollar now. So it's like I don't see how. Oh yeah, they're already trying to do that. Like, they're they're already, already trying to control crypto, and it's like yeah. once once everybody adopts it, it's still going to be it's going to be the same thing as right. um, regular money is now. It's yeah. not. And I mean, I, you know, I don't know what the, you know, there are some countries who've like, you know, tried experimental coins, you know, that are more governmentally, you know, government centralized, but you're right. You, you can damn well believe that like, if crypto gets, you know, common enough, powerful enough, you know, the government will step in to make sure that it, you know, it asserts control over the economy, mm -hmm. the government can and will inevitably regulate the economy. Well, you already see that with how they're trying to regulate cash. I mean, I think that like yeah. the idea, and I think that this is important to think about, is the idea that people are making transactions that aren't transparent to the government is um, becoming, now that the technology is available to push out, to push that out, um, you know, it's... I, I tweeted something about like surveillance the other day and paying for things with cash. And so many people like chimed in saying, you know, cause I know a lot of people who have, you know, a lot of cash that they buy things with. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying that 
they go to the store and they're just trying to make a cash transaction and either the stores don't take cash, which is the case in a lot of different places, or they flat refuse to make a cash transaction without collecting information about who they are. And yeah, that whole email address thing, like, oh, hey, what's your email address? What's yeah. all this? And you're like, I just want to buy this. Can yeah, I, do I have that, the money. Please? Can I just give you the money and walk out with change? Yeah. Like, how I don't have an email be? address. Yeah. And that's just becoming like more and more impossible. And I don't believe that that's for convenience um, or for, you know, rewards points or anything. That's like for surveillance and control. And the fact that um, it's becoming cumbersomely hard to buy things. It's not always about control. I mean, part of it's about selling ads. Well, sure. I I mean, they're trying to make money off you. I'm just, yeah, Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's not all big brother, right? It's a little more. I understand that. But I also think that the fact that it's becoming this hard to just have cash transactions points to the fact that like this idea that we're going to be able to like buy and sell things uh without it being under surveillance seems like pie in the sky to me i guess i guess my last question i guess my last question for you where's the hope is there hope (laughs) sorry we like went off on a tangent um Oh no! I this it was wonderful. I, I love this. <laughs> I love this. Um, I mean, for me, the hope is in communities, community mm-hmm. organizing, um, community. You know, right now, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, sex worker mutual aid funds are just doing like the. I mean, they're doing all of the most important mm-hmm. work, um, and uh, you know. I think that that kind of solidarity, that's what gets us through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, I mean, you have to be, you know, to, that we can bring about, you know, bigger change in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have students, I see my students, my students are more, you know, they are open-minded. They're more progressive, um, you know, on a lot of these issues they again they everybody knows somebody who's swinging nudes Mm -hmm. on OnlyFans. i think they are a little less prone to like you know the kind of reactionary politics that like you know a lot of people in my our parents generation yeah Mm -hmm. you know bring to the table when it comes to sex work i'm not saying that you know it's you know, everybody has like, you know, really progressive attitudes or whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, but, um, but it, there is a shift. There is a shift in which, like, I think some of the really important work, like, um, that, that has been done in terms of, you know, sex workers, um, you know, writing and, and, and doing policy work and trying to shift the narrative, um, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years has had some significant impact Mm -hmm. in, in the way that especially like younger people are talking about um, sex work and thinking about sex work. And, you know, perhaps more importantly is that sex work is like more real and immediate to them. Mm -hmm. It's not like the subject of like fantasies. It's not like pretty woman or whatever. It's not like, you know, some alien role to them. It's like, what their classmate is doing, you know, down the hall or like, Mm -hmm. you know, what their like, you know, neighbor, you know, does after she gets off her job or whatever. Right. And it's like, I think, well, I was like driving down the street with 
uh, my 16 year old recently and he was like, oh my, I know a kid that lives in that house. We just like passed a random house and I was like, oh, cool. And then he said, her mom's on OnlyFans. And I was like, hmm, like, how do you know that? And yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, um, but he wasn't, the thing that was striking to me about that whole, con- and he's like, I don't know. We just know like who's, who has like OnlyFans accounts and who I, the OnlyFans moms who's are. the OnlyFans moms are. And I was like, huh, I wonder who his mom is. I wonder if I know her, but I was like, just, you know, trying to get through the conversation. And, um, I was thinking that the striking thing about that conversation was like the lack of like stigma or, um, uh, salaciousness about that comment. I think he told me that because he knows like about our careers and thought I might find that interesting, but it didn't, it wasn't like a scandal. And I think that the way that like younger people are relating to sexual labor, like as, as labor and as like a legitimate job um, right. prospect is really interesting. Right. Cause ultimately, I mean, obviously like sex work, is and always has been widespread yeah that like everyone has always known sex workers without knowing they've known sex workers but there is i think a little bit of a generational shift where people are there's a little more space to be open about it mm-hmm. that people are a little more aware that they know people who are involved in it i think some of that comes from people dipping their toes into only fans mm-hmm. Um, you know, in particular, um, you know, it's not, again, it's not like a panacea. It's not like we're, you know, everybody's going to like, you know, whorephobia is going to go away, you know, mm-hmm. just if, you know, if we just like wait long enough. I mean, that's definitely, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be like Pollyannish about it. Right. Yeah. Like, like people still know, a, you know, people who work on OnlyFans. And Religion will still be there. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 But I, you know, so it's like trying to Can't undo like Judeo-Christian upbringing and um, yeah. a generation. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like, I want to, yeah. I just don't, I think it's important to be like, kind of thread that needle and say like on the one hand we see like you know some really positive shifts and then on the other hand like but still that's so much of the same you mm-hmm. know and i i but but i but i do think we can be be hopeful yeah and, and mm-hmm. i you know i do think that at least again you know as 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 a teacher you know if i put that hat on I have found it's been easier to have productive conversations with people um, now that sex work seems more real and immediate and concrete to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, as opposed to like when sex work seems like totally abstract and disconnected from them. Mm -hmm. And I think that transition maybe gives us a foothold to, to start making some important shifts in terms of how society is relating to sex work and sex workers, but we still have to do the work, right? The work is not going to do itself. Right. So, you know, that's, you know, still like a generation of work to be done. I mean, I think too, with it being so visible now more so, I mean, even probably than five years ago, um, just the willingness to people talk about and be open. I feel like that has to, help facilitate change at least a little bit i think so i mean you know certainly that's you know that was the argument for coming out of the closet and the gay rights movement right that's why there was the you know pressure that you know you know if people come out to you know their families then you know that will shift a family i mean you know and that might you know start bringing about change and there was some truth to that but 
you know, as we also recognized, you know, at the time, that's also dangerous for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, so I think it's great that there are a lot of people who are out and very vocally out. Um, but there's still also a lot more people who don't feel safe being out or mm -hmm. fully being out and, you know, and, and I guess that'll be the measure of like, when we really make progress as a society is, you know, is when you don't have tons of people, you know, who, who, you know, feel um, really in danger you yeah. know, if they mm -hmm. come out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate y'all coming on the podcast. I seriously do. This has been this has been great. I feel like I've learned so much. The people listen to the podcast, they don't get this, you know. This is I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I I feel very like honored to be the last the last episode you do. Last episode. Your last or whatever it goes. Our closed yeah. last, yeah. yeah. But either way, it's been uh it's, you know, uh very, very kind of you to invite us yeah. and uh, Definitely. It's nice for us to hear that um, you've got something out of uh, yeah. all these years of talking out of a wall with a microphone in front of our face. <laughs> yeah, it's changing the world. Y'all are changing the world. Uh, where can where can the people find you? Uh, both like social media and then like the podcast. And then what are you doing? What where what's okay? Plug, um, plug yourselves. Okay, let's see. I'm Jesse Sage. You can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and. I have a website, jessiesage.com, that has all of my like writing and press appearances. And um, I'm currently writing my book uh, that I don't know when it's going to come out, but I am working on it. And I'll be plugging that when we get closer to that. And I'm wrapping up Peep Show, um, which is right now online at peepshowmagazine.com and at Peep Show Mag on Twitter. But um, I have a new one with Melrose Michaels on the horizon. And you can find that on anywhere you can get um, podcast on the horizon with a W. And you can also find it at sexworkceo.com. Awesome. You're Hell good. yeah. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> uh, so I am less out there. Um, but I, you have just as many websites. You just go. <laughs> you just don't have it memorized. I, I, uh, okay. So main place you can find me is Twitter. And I think that's what I'll, I'll stick to. So, um, you know, my, at this point kind of legacy adult content account is, uh, PJ Sage on Twitter. And then, um, the account that I'm mainly using now is my real name, pj ray rey account on twitter which is really old and so only five letters long um you love to say that he's been on twitter forever <laughs> well, but also i just wanted to make it clear. i don't know it's hard over like the air to, mm -hmm. you know because you're not writing it down all right whatever <laughs> the people the people are writing it down right now they're subscribing pj ray <laughs> rey okay <laughs> Awesome. Well, I will plug this again in the intro and outro, but thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so thanks much. It was us. really nice to talk to you. Hell yeah. Thanks. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we'll be back later. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Jesse and PJ Sage. Shout out Jesse, PJ. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was so much fun. 
listeners, people, they just plugged it. You can find Jessie on Twitter at Sapiotextual, her website, jessiesage.com. You can find PJ on Twitter at PJ Sage and at PJ Ray. Their podcast, the Peep Show podcast, you can find wherever you find podcasts, but uh, on Twitter, at PeepshowMag, also PeepshowMagazine.com. You can find Jesse's new podcast that she just started with Melrose Michaels, On the Horizon, wherever you find podcasts. They are on Twitter, at SexWorkCEO, the website, SexWorkCEO.com. I will have links to all of those in the description for this episode, so make sure you hit the show notes, click the links, do the things, give them both the follow, check out the Peep Show podcast, check out On the Horizon, so fucking good. As always, people, we're on Twitter, baby, we're on Instagram, at Full Service Pod, I am at Tank Funkadelic, if you like the show... If you enjoy what's happening in your ears right now, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Tell somebody about the show. Tell somebody you know. Tell someone you don't like. Tell your enemies. Full service pod. See if they listen. Maybe you'll become friends. Maybe we'll mend, you know, a broken relationship through the full service podcast. Do it. Uh... (laughs) But uh no, this is uh this has been episode 110. This is uh the last interview for the podcast. Um thank you from the bottom of my heart to anybody that's been a guest on this show. I uh when I when we started this over 2 years ago, I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't know if anybody would talk to me. So if you did, if you if you talked to me on a microphone or we recorded it, and we up uploaded it for the people. Fucking thank you. Because this would not be a thing without you. And if you're listening to this show, fucking thank you for listening. I, I truly appreciate it. It's crazy. We uh, I looked, I guess a couple days ago, we're almost at like 68,000 downloads for the show. Uh, we've had people from all over the world, which was, hey, I didn't know what was going to happen. So uh, thank you if you're listening to this right now. We'll be back uh, in, like, the next, like, day or two. I got another episode I want to put out, kind of like I did at the end of 2020, where I took, like, parts from episodes that y'all have heard this year, put them together in kind of like a year in compilation. It was a lot of fun last year. I've been actually listening through, like, pretty much every single episode that I put out this year uh, over the past, yeah, like, couple weeks. And, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been putting it together and I think it's gonna be really good. So check it out. That will drop either Thursday or Friday and that'll be the end people. That'll be the end of the full service podcast. Stay tuned. I will be back. Me and my roommate, Mike, who you heard on the last episode and also episode 90, we're starting a podcast. So, um, that's going to be happening. Hopefully, uh, by like February or March, but I'll keep y'all tuned, baby. This is not the last time you're hearing me talking to a microphone, and I know you're sad. I know you're sad, but it's gonna be okay. Um, hey, <laughs> thank you, fucking thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. I'll see y'all two days. Let's say two days. I'll see y'all on Friday. Uh, hope you're good. Hope you're well. Fucking be nice to people. Okay. <laughs> Later. Full service.